Hello, welcome back to the Court Sense Podcast. I'm your host, Brian McInnes, and today I've got mixed feelings about something. I'm both excited and a touch melancholy about paying tribute to something that I felt fortunate to be around the last 10 years. That would be the Maui Invitational Basketball Tournament, the premier early season non-conference event in the country for just about all of its 36 years. Well, this year the tournament has been relocated to Asheville, North Carolina, because of the COVID crisis's effect on college hoops. The first time Chaminade's signature event will be played on the mainland. So, it seemed like a great time to get together with Jordan Helley, Valley Isle resident and rising sports broadcaster and podcaster, to say how we feel about this and go over some of our all-time favorite Maui moments that we've witnessed in the one-of-a-kind Lahaina Civic Center. Helly, a former Baldwin High quarterback, is versatile, clever, and passionate about what he does. You'll want to catch him on the Let's Talk Sports pod, along with his old radio partner, Kanoa Leahy, to hear his insight. But now listen on to this pod for some reasons why losing that tournament, even for a year, is yet another blow dealt by the year 2020. Here we go. On this week's edition of the Court Sense Podcast, I am honored to be joined by Jordan Helley, lifetime Maui resident, co-host of the Let's Talk Sports podcast with Kanoa Leahy, a Baldwin High graduate, very multi-talented athlete and broadcaster. Jordan Helley, welcome to the pod, man. It is a pleasure, BMAC. It is, uh, one, nice to see your face over Zoom. Uh, I had gotten so used to seeing you regularly, and then and then all of this happened, so... Uh, thanks, thanks for having me. This is a, I'm looking forward to it. Hey, it was a true privilege to uh, journey over to Maui every November and see you and Kanoa and Rob Coleus and all the other Maui denizens over there in the Lahaina Civic Center like clockwork, man. It was something I could rely on for a solid decade, 10-year run. And um, part of the reason I wanted to have you on today, aside from you know you just being an all-around good guy and somebody that I consider a good friend in, in and around sports and, you know, just crossing paths a bunch of times is kind of sad news, right? Like the, the Maui Imitational Tournament is going away from Maui, from its namesake this year. Uh, it's been relocated to Asheville, North Carolina, of all places. I mean, who could have, because Asheville and, and Lahaina have so much in common, right? But um <laughs> Yeah, man, it's, it's been just a weird few days, I guess. Maybe not too surprising given the way everything was headed. There was a new start to the college basketball season. November 25th was the announcement from the NC2A. And obviously the Maui tournament takes place prior to that. So that was pretty much out of, out of the window. The cards were not there. So Jordan, what was kind of your reaction when, when all that fell, fell into place? Yeah, we, we had heard some of the reports, right? Uh, a lot of the connected college basketball insiders from a bunch of different publications and outlets had, had this sort of reported a, a little in advance that it was probably a likely possibility. And just the way everything has gone, you kind of had the feeling like, okay, something like this was was probably going to happen just with everything involved, right? The travel, um, the the governmental restrictions, you know, when it comes to having to quarantine, and that's still an ongoing thing here. 
in Hawaii, the, the fact that you're bringing teams from all over the country, multiple teams from North Carolina uh, with Davidson in the field this year, along with UNC. So it, it seemed it seemed inevitable. Uh, so at least we could kind of brace and we could prepare for the news that was coming down. Uh, and even if they had found some way uh, to bring those eight teams in to Lahaina, it, it probably wasn't going to involve any fans, which you lose a ton right in that gym and the, the atmosphere is so much of it. Um, from my understanding, uh, you know, Asheville came about. It was sort of a pre-existing relationship between the sports commission there and Kemper Lesnick, who owns the Maui Invitational Tournament. Uh, and from what, from what I've been told, they, uh, they, they intend to make the arena there in Asheville look as much like the Lahaina Civic Center as possible, even down to like some <laughs> of the local signage. Um, I, I've been told that they're going to put surfboards in the stands. Like they're going to make it look as much like Lahaina as possible while also still sort of promoting Lahaina, Hawaii, Maui in tandem al- along with obviously the Asheville connection. So they're trying to make it as Lahaina as possible, you know, in the, in the Smoky Mountains or wherever Asheville is <laughs> there in Appalachia. So right. it, it's a bummer. Uh, the good news is from all indications is that it, they intend it to just be a year thing. And, and once things hopefully get back to, you know, the normal sports rhythm that uh, we should see what is a pretty loaded field back here uh, in 2021. Right. And, you know, this 2020 field was nothing to sneeze at. There was uh, obviously you mentioned North Carolina leading the pack. They were kind of the the marquee name. You know, they've won several Maui titles already, uh, along with Alabama, Davidson, Indiana, Providence, Texas, UNLV, and possibly still Stanford, depending on whether the Pac-12 rescinds its no sports ban through the new year. So, Another key difference, Jordan, besides the locale is the fact that, at least to my understanding right now, there are going to be no fans in attendance. And we are accustomed to seeing packed houses, raucous arenas, just high stakes, you know, neutral court vibes a la, you know, what might be a future, say, NCAA regional pairing site um, kind of matchups, you know, that dueling fan bases, just really thrilling part of the atmosphere of the whole event and to have it go from that to no fans in the stands. I mean, that's gotta be a little jarring too, right? Oh, absolutely. That's the charm of the invitational, right? Is, is the fact that you take the biggest names, like the biggest coaches in college basketball, whether it's Roy Williams this year in North Carolina coming down, uh, you know, it was coach Krzyzewski and Duke coming down two years ago, uh, Bill Self and Kansas, like the, the biggest programs in college basketball. Uh, and you put them in a gym that, barely sits 2000. It's like, it's a high school gym, basically, right? It's, it's a County gym yeah. here in Lahaina and, and you hear it from players year in and year out. They love that, right? Because when they get to the final four, as you mentioned, some of these neutral site games saying like a regional final or something like that, they're playing in football stadiums. Like they're playing in these giant mega arenas where mm-hmm. it, it's a little impersonal. And, and then you juxtapose that with some of these teams who end up in those type of locations starting their season in a gym that, you know, you can hear everything the guy in the top row says. You can hear everything within that arena. It gets so loud. Uh, it is so intimate. And, and that absolutely, I think, is the the charm of the tournament. Uh, and I think what draws in uh, not just the talent, the coaches, the program, but it draws in, I think, people wanting to attend it, obviously. And I, and I think, honestly, it translates to TV really, really well when you watch that thing when you're sitting in the snow someplace on the mainland. <laughs> Uh, I I think, I think there is the charm to it and it it hasn't lost it a bit. 2,400 seats in that line of civic center. And 
reliably packed and there might be mm-hmm. a few you know the morning games on the second or third day when it's consolation round when it's not you know Chaminade in its defense you know brings brings fans over on the first day mm-hmm. and they are loud and vocal still in the minority in the, in the gym and then it kind of you know might dissipate a little bit from there depending on what happens to them they have won opening round games I think most recently against uh, Texas if I'm not mistaken uh, that was a thriller that uh, hold, we'll hold that thought for a little while because we're going to do top fives. You and I have both crafted our top five Maui Invitational moments that we've witnessed in, <clears throat> excuse me, witnessed in person, and as well our top five Maui players that we've seen and just been awed by their feats of, you know, strength, athleticism, just all around excellence in that in that unique environment. So we'll get to that. But Jordan, first I want to kind of ask you a little bit more about yourself. You know. I mentioned on the top that you co-host the uh, Let's Talk Sports podcast with Kanoa Leahy. That's something you guys are, I believe, 39 episodes in at this point. You guys started it in the springtime, right? Like maybe in in March, I want to say. And uh, I just want to ask, how's that going? Because you two were partnered up on the Let's Talk Sports Maui radio show on ESPN Maui for a number of years, maybe starting, I think uh, you mentioned in 2014 to me previously. So What's that transition been like to the realm of podcasting, man? You know, it's different. It's different. It's going well. Uh, you know, thanks. Thanks for asking about that. Uh, it, it has been it has been a lot of fun. Uh, it's such a weird time to sort of get into podcasting, right? From a sports standpoint, uh, because for a while there, there, there wasn't a whole lot of sports going on. Uh, and in, in large part, why we sort of transitioned from the daily or Monday through Friday radio show to you know, a couple times a week on the podcast allows for a little more flexibility. Uh, yeah, it, you know, I, re- I really enjoy the, the partnership we, we've kind of built up, Kanoa and I. Uh, you know, he asked me, he was taking over a midday radio show here on Maui. Yeah, I think it was 2014. <laughs> I can't even remember. It's been a, it's been a while now. And, uh, you know, he asked me to jump on and, and it's been fruitful since. Uh, we haven't gotten sick of each other just yet, I think. Uh, How's that so we're still We're still uh, riding. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, we're still writing that for as long as we possibly can, I think. Uh, and the podcast has been fun. It, it's allowed us, I think, to, to focus a, a bit more on um, guests uh, and, and interviews more so than, than just the daily radio show. So it's, um, I, I think, been a lot of fun. We, we've kind of gone all over the place with it, different topics, different guests from a wide range. Um, and it, it's been a nice way to to sort of keep it going, the conversations that we had on the radio show. The only thing I think that, 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 that's missing uh, and that we both miss the most is uh, the callers because uh, we used to get some, some pretty classic callers on our radio show. So you lose that element of it when you're, when you're doing the pre-recorded podcasts. You lose Maui News, all everything sports reporter Rob Coley is calling in for 20-minute chunks at a time, right? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We still get the text from Rob every once in a while. Uh, but, yeah, we don't, uh, we don't get Robbie on the airways. Oh, and he always used to tell us it was him, even though as soon as he started speaking, he knew it was Robbie. Everyone knew it was him. Uh, unmistakable. But you guys um, – no, it's been good, man. I've, I've caught a number of your, your guys' pods, and the, 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 it translates, I think. And you mentioned that you guys have gone a little bit more to, toward the, the guest interview model, right? And I think that's, that's great because it's – a little more timeless than just the, you know, the, the live immediacy of whatever news might be in the headlines in that moment in time that may not endure or hold someone's interest down the line. I mean, 
you get a good guest on there and it's still, you know, potentially interesting and relevant, you know, months removed. So I think that that's a great call. And, and you guys have had people on there ranging from Kurt Suzuki, Parker McLaughlin, Nick Rolovich, Todd Graham, uh, you guys run the gamut. So it's, that's admirable. And you guys definitely have some ability to draw these people in, which I think people should definitely check out if you, if you have not tuned into the let's talk sports pod yet, because that was, in at least part, my inspiration to get this thing going, you know, Kanoa nudged me a bit. I think you <laughs> nudged me a bit. And, and um, so, you know, we're, we're two of the handful now of, of local podcasts that are at least quote unquote semi-regular. So it's been good, man. Yeah, it, re- it really has. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. We've, we've had Todd Graham, Nick Rolovich, June Jones on the podcast. So we, we, we've really tried to get as many UH football coaches uh, yeah. as possible <laughs> over the years. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I, wasn't sure when to insert this, but I think this is an appropriate time. I, I do have to commend you, BMAC, because I really have enjoyed your podcast. I think the interviews are terrific. Like, I've, I've really enjoyed them from, from uh, the, the Pedrog Savovich interview that you had a, a little while back. It brought back so many fun memories of, of some of the galore years of University of Hawaii basketball to, to some of the scouts you've brought on. Uh, you know, Roxy Bernstein, another guy that we've sort of gotten to know through the Maui Invitational ESPN play-by-play guy, and all the way even to, to the Keith Amamiya interview, who's running for mayor of the city and county of Honolulu. Um, I, I, I have loved the breadth of interviews uh, and have learned a lot. And I'm looking forward to the mayoral debate episode once we get closer to the, uh, to the <laughs> we'll, election here coming up. Yeah, we'll see if we can make that happen. I'm, I'm still in the process of reaching out to Rick Blangiardi, but uh, no, it's it's been it's been a learning process for me, man. I didn't have that, you know, that background in any kind of uh, at least live setting, give and take. Of course, I'd be interviewing people for my job at the Star Advertiser, but, but now it's, you know, it's being recorded and basically being put out there straight. You know, it's like, at least when I was writing for the newspaper, you could pick and choose what quotes you want from the interviewee, but, but now you're kind of, as the host, you're kind of as much as a part of the thing as, you know, the person you're interviewing. So that's definitely been kind of an interesting transition for me. But but yeah, learning as I go. So I'd like to think that, you know, getting practiced over time. We'll see. I'm only like 20 episodes in, so I got some catching up to do. But but yeah, man, I mean, you come from a very interesting background in terms of you're a multi-talented, multi-sport athlete. You, of course, notably were the Baldwin High School quarterback, had some, uh, you know, nice runs in the, in the HHSA tournaments. You went on to play football at Occidental college and you also played basketball. I, th- I believe you also played volleyball, soccer. And then along the way you dabbled in sports broadcasting and play-by-play, which I believe you were a play-by-play man up at Occidental. Right. And you got to try out lacrosse, uh, volleyball, water polo, all kinds of sports. So please tell me how you translated your, athlete career into this broadcasting biz yeah it's um I never thought I'd get into the broadcasting thing even though my my dad's been doing the the radio deal here on Maui for since before I was born and and has actually been calling the Maui Invitational uh, on local radio yeah my dad Barry since since before I was born I think his very first year was 1989 um and and so I I didn't think I was going to do that right I always sort of was playing and and I thought I'd go more into to, to coaching and, and maybe teaching even uh, something along those lines once I was done with, with college. And I went up to play college football, uh, small college football at, at Occidental in Los Angeles and, 
and kind of phased out of that. And, and then my last year in college, um, we got a new uh, sports inf- information director, a uh, guy who's still a good buddy, Mike Wells there at, at Oxy. And uh, he wanted to expand their online streaming, basically, of, of sports broadcasts. They, they, they were doing football and basketball and baseball for the most part, men's basketball, uh, just a simple like one camera web broadcast uh, with just, you know, just, just one, one camera camcorder uh, and, and a guy on a headset basically narrating what was going on. And so he was looking for, he was looking for somebody to, to do everything else. So women's volleyball, women's basketball, softball, as you mentioned, water polo, lacrosse, like you name it. Uh, he was putting it on, on the web stream. And, and so uh, he, he recruited me and a buddy of mine, uh, Jack McHenry, uh, who I believe you met. I, I don't know if you remember Jack, but he was a tall, lanky guy. He actually came to the Maui Invitational, I want to okay. say maybe like 2013, maybe Oof. 2014. He came down. Uh, yeah. He was originally from, from uh, outside of the Seattle area. He was living on Oahu for a little while. Uh, he actually played pickup basketball with our guy, Pakalani Bello, at times there on Oahu. Uh, the connections are endless. Uh, and so we started doing it, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, and, and as we mentioned, you know, we were doing women's lacrosse. Like, I knew nothing, nothing at all. Uh, it was completely making it up as we went along, and, and we had a lot of fun doing, you know, the women's basketball. Who it, We kind of lucked out because the women's basketball program was actually significantly better than our men's basketball program at the time. Like, they went to the NCAA tournament. Um, uh, Heidi Vandeveer was the basketball coach, the women's basketball coach at Oxy at the time. She, right after that, moved on to UC San Diego and is still the coach at UC San Diego and will be – a coach in the big West coming up once uh, we actually get back to playing. Uh, so we, we had a lot of fun there and kind of grew into it. I'd come back home, uh, you know, on, on summer breaks and my dad kind of throw me into the, the booth along with him. We do some high school football uh, before I'd have to go back up to the, to the mainland, you know, usually in September. Uh, I kind of grew into it with that and, and started doing some, some broadcast work with him. Uh, football, basketball, started calling the Maui Invitational uh, once I moved back home in 2012 uh, and have been lucky to do it every year since on the on the radio side, and then uh, kind of grew into that. Uh, got a couple lucky breaks and started doing some high school sports on on Spectrum Television, and it was Oceanic back then. Uh, and and so that's that's kind of how we grew into it. It was kind of just by chance that uh, up at school uh, somebody was looking for a couple of guys, and and we kind of took it and ran. And the next thing you know, it was uh, something that uh, kind of took a little more seriously and pursued a little bit more. You know, when you describe learning as you went, as far as like the lacrosse broadcasts and things like that, I'm picturing from the movie Dodgeball, uh, the, the two commentators on the side, uh, Jason, uh, Jason Bateman, and uh, I believe the other actor's name is Gary, Gary Cole, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I think uh, so. His character's name is Cotton, and he's a, some Absolutely. bold strategy right there, Cotton. I can imagine you just kind of rolling with it and just whatever you could pull at, at that moment in time. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was the, the other thing we did not know going in was that there's no shot clock in women's lacrosse. Uh, and so there were a couple of times where a team would, would run the old fashioned four corners and, and stall. Uh, and I remember doing a game where I think the halves are 40 minutes. Uh, somebody held on to the ball for like 20 minutes, at least 20 minutes. And so we just took it all kinds of directions. Like we, we, there were a lot of movie references. I mean, it's just, you know, you're a couple of like 21, 22 year old 
you know, goofballs. Uh, and, and we're trying to, we're trying to make this up and like, we don't know anything that's going on and really nothing's happening right now. We're just watching a team pass the ball around for 20 minutes. So that was an adventure. So that, those are kind of the things that uh, stand out and you got to learn to start thinking on your feet and, and fill in airtime. Well, you have parlayed that into a number of broadcasting opportunities. You've been a regular on Spectrum Sports High School football broadcast. You've been on ESPN Radio, or at least the CBS, I think, affiliate uh, ESPN uh, or CBS Hawaii 1500. So you are, you have taken this all over the place in, in the local market. So I commend you for that, man. And I want to ask you before we get on to our Maui memories, your, I alluded to your, your high school athletics career, which you parlayed into a, uh, a career at Occidental uh, with football, like we mentioned. What, looking back, would you consider your proudest athletic achievement to date? Because, like I mentioned, you were the, the quarterback for Baldwin. You got into a couple of state semifinals, and I know there were some tough losses at that point. I believe your junior and senior year, one to Kuhuku, one to Lelehua, both really close games that came down to like the final play, I think both times. Right. So yeah. um, shoot, man. I mean, when you look back, is, is that what you're most proud of getting your team to that point? Or is it something else? Like, I know you've had made two holes in one in your life. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Kanoa likes to remind people about that. Uh, Cause I that's how get, I learned uh, of it. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly. Cause I, I'm, it's not like I'm very good at golf. Uh, and, and just goes to show it's it's pure luck, it's pure luck. The the, the hole in one thing. So I, I do take maybe that the as first a sense time. Maybe the first time. There's got to be something more to it than that. If you're repeating, uh, as long as you get it in the general direction and hope for the best bounce, right? That's that's about where it goes. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a good question. You know, I uh, obviously the, the I, I guess the most high profile stuff would be the the, the football stuff for sure. Uh, we had a, we had some really fun teams uh, that I remember. A lot of guys that I, I still are really good friends with uh, to this day. Um, but uh, yeah, I think you know athletically. Uh, the other thing was uh, my last year in high school. I ended up playing uh, soccer once again. I grew up sort of playing club soccer. Didn't play in high school. Same season as basketball. Uh, so I ended up kind of stopping soccer after uh, like my first freshman year, maybe something like that. I kind of went back out. Uh, I played goalkeeper. Um, and, and so we, we needed, uh, we needed a guy, a whole bunch of my buddies who were still, you know, we played club and whatnot. They, they were like, Hey, why don't you come out? So I played three years of basketball, decided to go play soccer. And we had the, it was like me and three of my buddies who were my classmates and a whole bunch of young guys, like a bunch of freshmen and sophomores. Uh, and we actually, uh, made the state tournament. Uh, we we're kind of this ragtag group and, and again, pretty talented. We had a lot of cool guys, uh, pretty talented, but, um, we were, uh, we kind of scrapped and clawed our way and qualified for the state tournament. And that was, that was as fun as anything. Cause I think we, we didn't have many expectations, but we kind of came together. Um, and it was fun kind of with, along with a couple of guys, including um, John Takitani, who was Kanoa's brother-in-law now. Uh, and, and one of my good friends, one of my classmates, I know a guy, you know, pretty well. Uh, so it was like me, him and uh, a whole bunch of young guys. And we, we kind of, we kind of scrapped and clawed our way all the way to the state tournament. So uh that always kind of stood out to me. It's like, you know, nobody was really paying attention, but uh, we, uh, we had a fun group. That was, that, those were a lot of fun memories. Was your goalkeeper, goalkeeper style more of the, you know, just punt it, get it out of there to midfield, or were you like a pinpoint <laughs> on the run passer finding your guys in stride? Uh, yeah, distribution. I like distribution. Uh, you know, I liked uh, getting the ball out, trying to get it to my guys. Uh, you know, it was 
that was one of the things I could do. I could at least throw it a little ways. So that was, um, that was something. Yeah. So we tried to, we tried to get it possession and, and keep it for a little bit. Uh, well, I will note that in your final high school football game, just to bring it back to that real quick, you toss for 303 yards and four touchdowns against Leila Hua in a story duel with <laughs> Andrew Manley, the man child who went That's on right. to win states that year. That's right. Yeah. He was, he was terrific. Broke our hearts. That's for sure. Andrew, great guy. He's still, he's still coaching, um, like never sleeps. He coaches his kids' teams. Uh, he, he's the offensive coordinator at his alma mater at Lelihua. So he's, yeah, he's, he's all over the place, that guy. Yeah. So that was, that was, um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, the three interceptions always stick with me more than uh, the yards and the touchdowns. Though. So <laughs> I didn't re- I admittedly did not read that part of the article. I'm sorry. Uh, well, even the year before, man, you faced Kahuku. It was a 22 to 20 game and Wes Nakama described the the end of that game as quote the most fantastic finish in state football history and that was only i believe six years into the or maybe seven years into the state tournament Mm -hmm. era to that point but i mean that's coming from a guy like wes who's been around the block for high school that must have been not to bring up sorry i'm sorry bad memories for you possibly but (laughs) um just i mean being a part of that kind of classic finish can you at least as, you know, the sports fan and broadcaster that you are, can you appreciate that now, like, you know, 13 years removed? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Fan- Fantastic's one way to describe it, Wes. Uh, and we both know Wes. <laughs> uh, but for, for us, it was a little less than fantastic. But, yeah, it's incredible, right? I mean, it was it was a Hail Mary play that they end up hitting on. They win the state tournament the, the following weekend. Uh, so so it, we at least we went out to the champ both years uh, at that point. But, yeah, it, I mean, it's the – it's among the best finishes of, of any state tournament game in the history of, of that event, right? For sure. And, and so it was, it was a game that, that was incredibly physical. The other, I, I think, incredible part about that, and, and this has become more and more commonplace, but just the amount of guys who went on and played Division One football, the amount of guys who went on and played. Uh, there were a couple of guys who played professional football on those teams between us and Kahuku. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Baldwin, uh, you know, like John Lotulele was a, a sophomore at that time. He ended up playing in the NFL for, for a little bit at linebacker from Baldwin. And there's some, some other guys who went on and played at UH and, and all kinds of things. So, yeah, it was um, – it, it's, it's one that people still randomly will, will ask me about. Uh, you know, people that I just meet. You know, mo- mainly people involved with high school football or, or fans of the sport or whatnot. Sure. Um, they, 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 they still remember they, they, that is something that I think most people, especially if you were there, it, uh, it had, it turned in the split second and, uh, yeah, losing on a Hail Mary, never fun, but it, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun story to revisit. Uh, the, the pain is, the pain has subsided for the most part. So yeah. I can, I'm glad I to hear that, man. Thank you for not lashing out at me for bringing it up, but all right, man, well, let's, let's get to some Maui memories, hopefully a little more pleasant for the most part. Um, I know for sure these have made for me, you know, like I said, being lucky enough to go over there the last 10 years. Uh, some of the most memorable that I've compiled in my sports writing career that, you know, was 12, 13 years uh, to this point. And uh, obviously I'm not with the paper anymore, but maybe one day I'll be able to get over there again to Maui in one form or another, maybe as, a, as a, just a fan of the game and enjoy some, you know, not this year, obviously I'm not going to North Carolina on some media credential, but uh, I look forward to the day where I can see you either, if not on press row, then at least in, in maybe the, the first row or two over there in the Lahaina Civic Center and uh, 
but but let's let's get into it, man. Let's talk about we got we both have done our lists of Maui memories top five and Maui players top five. So which one do you want to do first, Jordan? Uh, I think we can go with either. I, I think you know I, I'm assuming there's some overlap, right, between the Probably. two. Maybe we could start yes. with the memories and then we can get into some of the individuals along the way. Because there have been some dudes who have come down that don't weren't necessarily on the best teams. Right. Uh, but we're, we're pretty individually awe-inspiring. So, yeah, we can start with the memories, I guess, right? All right, man. That that's, sounds perfect. All right. So, I had some tough cuts. I don't know about you. I, I put a couple oh, on yeah. the side as honorable mentions. And uh, I'll let you go first, man. Do you, do you have any that, that didn't make it into your top five that you want to mention real quick? Oh, yeah. There's been, there's been a few. Uh, I remember – uh, BYU coming down, what was it, about four or five years ago and just shooting the nets out of that place. Uh, Chase they had Fisher, a, a, I think. Chase Fisher, yeah. Uh, just just absolutely lighten it up. Uh, and what was the guy who transferred from from uh, Florida Gulf Coast to Chaminade who nearly broke that record against well, Baylor? Do you remember that? Is that in your I, top five? I do, and it's actually my first one in my top five. Okay, okay, we'll save, we'll save that. Uh, and, I, and I couldn't remember the guy's name. I didn't... I didn't do as much research on that because I was like, okay, it's not going to quite make my top five, but those are, those are a couple that, that, that stand out for sure that uh, got close, got close to making the list. Uh, But we've had so many like good championship games. I kind of, I ended up gravitating to that. (laughs) Understandably. Yeah. And the last couple have been doozies. So my, my honorable mentions, I would offer up uh, the last time Kentucky was here in 2010 which was my first Maui Invitational and just a stacked field, which was part of the impetus to get me over there to Maui. I, I thank my, uh, my former sports editor, Paul Arnett for, for making that happen. But the Kentucky fans, man, like, you know, they, they had had their own reputation coming in. And for me, it was, it was all new, right? Like I'm in that gym for the first time. I'm up close and personal for the first time. I'm hearing the just there's a certain sound in that Lahaina Civic Center that's just different and hard to describe and the fans are right on top of you and none more so than those Kentucky fans man that big blue nation holy crap like they bought out like every ticket like it was like I'm not kidding like 95% of the gym was big blue nation and that's hard to do because half of the visiting ticket allotment is reserved for the other school like by rule by the way they do it and somehow those fans had connived their way into dominating the entire place but all right i'm taking up too much time on this one honorable mention uh other one being bill walton just doing bill walton things (laughs) yes like for the last five five years running how long do you think he's been coming now in a row yeah i think it's been about there it's been about there and well he and he has just been a sideshow i mean that in the best possible way like yeah, he's got his haters and he's got people in his corner, but there's no denying like just the, you know, the, the black hole of attention that is Bill Walton. Like, I mean, he's got that tie dye shirt. He's got the Maui gym shades on during the game. It's, it's unreal. He's got the, I love Maui. I love Maui gym. Like as his like catch, catch tag, like every year on the broadcast. Yeah, man. There, He's the most popular guy in the gym. Like you, you could have multiple first rounders. You could have, you know, Coach K coaching against Bill Self. Bill Walton's the the most popular guy. Like he's everybody wants to take a picture with him. Uh, and he and he that, that's the other great thing about Bill. He'll take pictures with you. Like he'll interact with the fans. He loves it. 
and, and the folks in the gym. And, and that's what I, I think also his accessibility and his willingness to, to kind of play into the banter a little bit. It, Bill, Bill's been a nice addition. He's been a lot of fun. All right. Well, please, Jordan, give, give me – we're going to go in reverse order here. So number five for you, most memorable on Maui. Yeah, you know, I, I started going to the tournament as a kid. I used to tag along with my dad. He used to get me in the gym. And this was before they put air conditioning in the Lahaina Civic Center. So that thing could get pretty sweltering. Uh, and, and the first tournament that I remember going to and actually have memories of, I was seven years old. We went to the 1997 edition. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the Duke, Arizona year where Duke's does Wojo Senior Steve Wojciechowski, they've got Elton Brand, Shane Batty, Will Avery are the freshmen, right? This, this fabulous group that goes on to, to win the national title uh, by their time was done there. And that was Arizona coming off a national championship with Miles Simon and Jason Terry and Mike Bibby. Uh, and I just remember going in there and being, I, I, I liked basketball, you know, right? I grew up a Bulls fan, a Michael Jordan fan, and that's kind of right at the end, right? And so I, I enjoyed basketball, but never really seen anything big time up close and personal. I mean, it's like kind of young kid, I go in there. And it was just incredible, just absolutely incredible. And my dad's play, uh, color guy at the time was uh, this guy, Jim Judge, who, who's still around. Uncle Jim, as we call him, a great guy. His daughter went to Duke. I, I, I forget if it was for undergrad or grad school or whatnot, but he, she went to Duke. So she was a Duke fan. And he gave me a Duke hoodie, like a sweater, small one. It was a little too big for me, probably. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I get to sit sort of first row behind my dad guys, just sort of, you know, wedged in there because seven years old, I could probably fit anywhere neat in that gym. Uh, and Duke was good, obviously. And so I'm wearing this Duke hoodie. You know, I got a little brainwashed by Uncle Jim with, hey, you got to cheer for, you got to cheer for Duke. Here's a sweater. And I'm just dripping with sweat because before that thing had air conditioning, it was brutal. Uh, and so I'm watching this game. I become a Duke fan, and that's why I'm still a Duke fan to this day, even though most people hate that team, and I'm, I'm more of an underdog guy. But I've, I was, uh, was kind of led into liking Duke. They beat Arizona in that final with all of those incredible stars, uh, and that's when I was hooked. That's when I was hooked. That's when I, I, I fell in love with basketball, fell in love with college basketball, uh, and to just think of who was on those teams back then. Uh, that was like my first introduction to just how wild and special and kind of unique in a lot of ways uh, that tournament is. Nice, man. Yeah. I mean that, that first impression can, can last a lifetime. I mean, it's no phones about it like that 2010 for me, that first year for me, I mean, Connecticut, Michigan state, Kentucky, Virginia, UW, you know, like that was a stacked, stacked field. And I'll get more into that in a little while, but no question about it. Those first impressions are important. All right, number five for me was, you alluded to it, Chaminade's Christoph Veradel hitting 10 three-pointers and scoring 42 points in a first-round loss to Baylor. Yes, it was a loss in 2013, but it was majestic. Like, he had just this, like, Euro swag going on, like, not a care in the world. He was just out there hooping, man, and, like, pulling up from – in my mind's eye, I just remember him pulling up from, like, beyond NBA range and just – canning triples and I believe it tied the three-point record of 10 so uh that was like I'd been there for a few years at that point so I thought I had kind of grown accustomed to what Maui could offer and that was just something else entirely man that was special 
Yeah, was it the late game? I kind of remember it being a little late. It was either the third or the fourth game of the day, I feel like. So there was the, the evening crowd on Monday, because that's usually the latest the, the tournament will go, where they actually play an evening game as opposed to finishing everything up on, on the um, by the afternoon, late afternoon. And you usually get a lot of local fans like Maui people who go after work. That game has always got a little different vibe to it. And I feel like Christoph was feeding – he was feeding. He was like under the bright lights. Like it was the primetime game and the dude couldn't miss. Right. And I, I want to say he was hurt earlier in his career and he, he kind of got hurt in the tournament later. And I want to say may not have even played again, like maybe one game after Maui or something. It's kind yeah, of sad, that sounds but, familiar. Yeah, yeah. But props to Christoph Veradell. I believe I wrote about the Christoph Waltz the next day one time. That, that <laughs> my inspiration. All right. Number four for you, Jordan. Yeah, my number four, uh, it's, a, it's a local connection. The one time the University of Hawaii was in the field, 2003, and it was a very watered-down field for whatever reason. I think there were, there were other things going on that year or whatnot, uh, but it ended up being Hawaii and Dayton in the final, and it was Hawaii Chaminade in the semifinal. Right. Uh, and it was like, oh, man. So somebody, some local school was going to play in the championship game of the Maui Invitational, and that was kind of the last tournament I went to for a while after I kind of got into high school and college. Uh, and that, that, that tournament was a blast. Um, that, that final was so much fun because as we found out last year, Dayton travels incredibly well. Like mm-hmm. they're one of the best supported mid-major programs, really any program don't even count it as mid-major, uh, in the country. And all of the local fans, like people were picking tea leaves out of the, the bushes outside of the Lahaina civic center, which is pretty nice landscaping around it. Those trees got decimated. Everybody's taking them <laughs> into the gym, trying to cheer on the rainbows, Riley Wallace and his squad, they, Phil Martin was still on that team. Julian Sensley had joined the program. I'm Shimonovich was still on it. Tony Akpan. And then Michael Kubler. I just remember Michael Kubler kind of carrying that team, keeping sure. them in the game. Has had one of the, what, the, you would know way more about, one of the best pro careers of any alum from that program. Uh, and then they lose to Dayton and like Keith Wallaskowski or something like that. I forget some lanky big guy who just dominated that entire tournament. But Hawaii making the final was a lot of fun uh, and being there in person. And, and that was a pretty good Hawaii. Then that was, I believe that's the year they made the NIT quarterfinals as well. The university of Hawaii losing in Ann Arbor after a couple of big wins. If I, if I got my years lined up, correct. I believe that's correct. And so they, yeah, that was, that was, a fun I was memory. writing for Kaleo of Hawaii that year. So that was the year they got to Michigan in the NIT. Michael Kubler, as you said, had a very nice career, went on to play in Europe for a while. Uh, underrated player, you know, just, I believe yeah. he was an academic all American for UH, one of the few that they've, they've had uh, on that award list, but for sure that that was a, a very fun run to cover remotely for me um our number four for me was one of the more recent title games we're going in fact last year number four kansas beating dayton in overtime 90 to 84 that's devon dotson and yudoka azubuki out dueling obi toppin and jalen crutcher crutcher had hit a three at the end of regulation to set it mm-hmm. in overtime just high level play man two I mean, you got one of the true blue bloods in Kansas against this mid-major upstart in Dayton that you said travels very well. Their fan base was outstanding and just slugging it back and forth. And even though Dayton lost, they remained like in the top three for the rest of the, of the, the season until it got shut down prematurely due to COVID. And I, I believe that team could have done some real damage in the NC, both teams. Dayton and Kansas could have done real damage in the tournament if it was played. So that's truly unfortunate. We didn't get to see a possible rematch, but that 
you can make an argument that game in the Maui Championship was the de facto, I say this, you know, half jokingly, national championship based on the pedigree of the teams and the fact that nothing was settled later in the year. No, I, I think so. This is also in my top five, so I guess we can go expand it on this. Um, it, I mean, it was, right? The, was it the AP poll or the coaches poll? They finished one and two uh, going into the NCAA tournament. Well, I guess going into some of the conference tournaments uh, as well. And so basically they were the top two teams when the season was called. And the only reason Kansas was ranked in front of Dayton was because they played Wednesday before Thanksgiving at the Lahaina Civic Center in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, which ended up determining, you know, the, the, if, if we're going old school college football rules, like the mythical national champion. Yeah. Because they finished the year ranked number one, uh, and it was an overtime game in Lahaina. Obi Toppin was amazing uh, in that tournament. Absolutely became infatuated with him, uh, how well he played all season long. But that, that overtime game, again, that Dayton crowd, everybody knows how well Kansas travels. And they, they turn that sort of into Allen Fieldhouse West. When they start doing the Rock Chalk Jayhawk thing, it is as cool as it gets. Uh, and, but, but Dayton's crowd was amazing, so. Yeah, that's that's in my top five as well. Obi Toppin was my vote for player of the year for that my AP submission. So that yeah, he, he was a stud, uh, no doubt about it. All right, what was what was number three for you, Jordan? Yeah, three for me is going to be the 2018 final, Duke Gonzaga. That came in with all of the hype. I mean, all of the hype, right? All of it. It was basically one versus three I think in the polls at the time and yep it was just amazing to watch uh you also had number eight Auburn in the field that year but it was amazing to watch when you looked at it, it just how many pros were on the floor right you, Zion Williamson RJ Barrett Cam Reddish uh for Duke Trey Jones is going to get drafted this year as well he'll, he'll he'll spend some time in the NBA and then Gonzaga with Rui Hachimura was all rookie what second team this year for Washington Brandon mm-hmm. Clark has turned into a really nice piece for Memphis and the Grizzlies Zach Norvell who was another one of their stupid athletic wings on that Gonzaga team uh, was in the G League this past year and I gotta imagine Philip Petrusev, who is still at Gonzaga uh, was a freshman on that team and is one of the best bigs in the country is gonna get drafted decently high really skilled get big guys so that was the other thing that stood out to me was just how how much pro talent was on the floor in that game between those two teams and then it comes down to the final possession it was probably top three or four loudest I remember hearing that Jim uh, got a chance to call the game on radio lost my voice uh, just yelling over everything it was it was it was just for for the hype to come in, or I guess I should say for, for it to live up to the hype, to, to match the expectation between those two behemoths and then come down to the final possession. It, it was, it was Christmas come early. As, as advertised, right. For those three dookies yeah. who at the, at that moment in time were being discussed as the one, two and three draft picks, you know, that mm-hmm. later that year. And obviously it didn't quite play out that way. Yes. Zion went, went number one and, and RJ Barrett was up there. Cam dropped his stock dropped a little bit, but the, the the spectacle, the show of those guys was something to behold. And yeah, Rui Hachimura, uh, he blocked, uh, I believe, Trey Jones and R.J. Barrett in the final minute. And then Brandon Clark swatted R.J. Barrett. Again, he got blocked on the, his final drive to try to tie the game. So that, I mean, talk about your intense finishes. And that was, that was actually my number one. So 
but that's okay. That I, I believe I'm just glad we both had that in the top three. All right. Well, my actual number three was Duke over Kansas in the 2011 title game. And that one, you know, I was still a Maui newcomer at that point, an unheralded guy for Duke Tyler Thornton hit two unlikely three point shots. He was known as more of a defensive specialist to help the blue devils win 68 to 61 and remain to that point unblemished on Maui. They would remain so until that title game against uh, Gonzaga that we were just talking about. But um, that, that was still a very intense title game and, and one that I had to put in my top five somewhere. Yeah, you had to, right? And so this is where it gets tough because we sort of ordered these, but then they all sort of blend together. Like, yeah. I feel like the top three for both of us are going to be just almost around the same. It was a game that I watched on the mainland. Uh, that that was when I was still uh, sort of away at school in LA, and and that was another that was another one of those just ridiculously loaded fields, right? And and then for for it to sort of come down that way, and it was the it, it had a little more attention because we were, was that the year we were coming out of the lockout in the NBA? Yeah, if I'm was. not mistaken, so it was. Luke Walton was any on NBA, somebody's bench. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right, and so there wasn't a whole lot of NBA attention going on, so that that was like the basketball that was the highest level basketball you're watching here in this right. country. And, and so the tournament, I think even went up another notch just based on the fact that the NBA wasn't playing yet. Right. And that, that was the year, I think what Duke had Austin rivers, Seth Curry was it, was that the year? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So doc rivers was in the house watching his son, a bunch of, I believe like Tim Hardaway jr. Was in that field. A bunch of like sons of NBA guys were there. It was like a who's who even by Maui standards of who else was, watching you know this all take place so what did you okay you actually you did your number there what did you have at number two yeah my number two uh losing track already over here <laughs> i mean it was it was basically the the kansas wait where did i go where did i go already did we talk about did i mention kansas Dayton or did i mention duke and zach because those were three and two basically for me which i think we've we've kind of gotten to here. yeah yeah um but it, it's basically basically a combination it's kind of like 2a to B, or what have you but just the the last two years how incredible the the finals were um which feels like immediacy bias and i tried to avoid it but i couldn't help myself neither could i i mean they were just ridiculous and you know makes it when you put that in in perspective makes it tough that you know the tournament's not happening here at all but uh well number two for me was uh chaminade beating texas in the first round in 2012 uh, you had DeAndre Haskins scoring 27 of his 32 in the second half, just throwing his team on his back. And Haskins incidentally had contributed a couple years prior when Shamanat uh, upset Oklahoma in the seventh place game. He was just kind of a, a reserve, a, you know, a secondary player for that team, but he was in full form as the star in this upset over Texas. Rick Barnes, you know, they, going down. And uh, Eric Bovaird, either his first or second year, with the silver swords, just kind of getting that special win to put on his resume. It, it was something to behold that day. It's always, it's always a little more fun when Chaminade's in the field. Right. And I get what they're doing where they're going to the every other year in the first year that they, they went without Chaminade in the Lahaina field was 2018. And it was proof in the pudding. It's like, okay, I get it. But there, there's, there's just a little more charm when Chaminade's in the field. Like they're, they're, they're the whole school. They're, their upset of Virginia decades ago is a large reason why this tournament exists. Yeah. Uh, and then when they beat somebody, when they beat a Texas, 
when they beat an Oklahoma, when they, when they come in and find weight Cal a couple of years ago, right? It, 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 there's something to it. There, there's just the magic of that, like the ultimate Cinderella and they're everybody's favorite. Uh, it's just that the tournament has a little extra when Chaminade, when the Silver Swords are here. Yeah, and Haskins went on to take all, all tournament team honors that year. You know, there's only five players. On, they don't do a second team. It's a straight first team, and he made it. So uh, I believe Roy Williams gave him some props after they beat Chaminade in the what was the third place game that year. Uh, so, yeah, uh, props to Haskins, Coach Bovard, and the Silver Swords for, for doing that. As you said, they went on to beat Cal for their eighth all-time win on Maui a couple years ago, and that was just a drubbing. So, it, like you said, it's always fun when Chaminade kind of messes things up there a little bit. And, uh, well, what did you have as your number one, man? Yeah, my number one is the year 2000. Uh, it was number one Arizona, number eight Illinois. Uh, and it was an incredible – I just remember that was, that's the loudest I ever remember the gym. Wow. Like the Arizona fans doing their U of A. And, you know, one side's yelling U, the other side of the gym's yelling A, and then Illinois is doing their I-L-L, and then the other side's yelling I-N-I, and and just how loud it was. Uh, And that was Gilbert Arenas, Richard Jefferson, like Lauren Woods, I think was a freshman on that team at Arizona, Luke Walton. Illinois was number eight in the country. Uh, Number six, Maryland, was also in that field. Um, And I just remember it being loud, even louder than 2018 Duke and Zag, even louder than last year with Dayton uh, and Kansas and one of the best plays. And even talking to my dad who's covered this tournament, you know, for 30 plus years now, uh, one of the best plays that I remember, and we, we still can't remember if it came in the final or if it came earlier, but was Richard Jefferson catching a lob from Gilbert Arenas who threw it from beyond half court and Jefferson's coming in from the baseline, cutting along the baseline and just goes up with one hand. Um, And for all we could tell, he was, you know, like, 17 feet above the rim like it was just one of the most incredible and ridiculous jaw-dropping feats of athleticism in throwing one down sort of in a transition delayed break uh and that moment was just like the loudest I've ever heard a building like just just absolutely deafening uh and so that that's my that's my most memorable moment uh at that tournament for for all of the 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 talent and everything like that moment in that game, it came down to the wire. I think it was a fairly, yeah, 79, 76 uh, was the final in that one. So it was tight all the way through, but that's as loud as I remember. And that play was as just as impressive as anything I've ever seen on that court. Worthy submission. And I will say that neither of us were there in 2005 when Gonzaga Mm -hmm. beat Michigan state in triple OT Adam Morrison scored 43, which I believe is still the tournament scoring record. Um, and that game is known as one of the most memorable, just bar none Maui moments, if not the most memorable. And that wasn't in a championship. It was either the first round or the semifinals. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But um, so worth noting, Semis, neither of us yeah. were there for that, which is the reason why we did not include it. From there, I'll take it to our list of Maui top five individual players that we, we've seen in person. Your top five in whatever order you want. Go for it, man. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, honorable mention, also receiving votes category. Obi Toppin, for sure. Okay. I, I fell in love with the guy last year, uh, but I'm trying to avoid the recency bias. So I'll put him yes. just outside my top five. 
my other top five, it's so funny. It's sort of a lot of the similar programs just always stick out, right? Arizona, Duke, Carolina, that always kind of sticks in my mind from the years I went. But Stanley Johnson was really good when he came down with Arizona as yeah. a true freshman, diaper dandy. You know, maybe he hasn't quite lived up to the lottery hype in the pros. He's been a nice pro, no doubt about it. But, he had, you know, he hasn't necessarily been all-star level. Stanley Johnson was really good when he came down on that Arizona team to beat San Diego State in the final. It was kind of an all-West year, mm -hmm. if you will, uh, where we don't usually get that West Coast uh, love, if you will, um, in some of these marquee tournaments. So I go Stanley Johnson. Then I go Joe Forte of North Carolina. On some okay. of those North Carolina teams, him, Ed Coda, um, you know, those, those are the years where like Julius Peppers and Ronald Curry, like guys who played in the NFL were also getting some run. They didn't come to the tournament because it was still football season, but like Jason Capel, Brendan Haywood, that was a final four team for Carolina. What um, year was Joe that? Joe Forte. Uh, two, 99. It was 99. 1999, North Carolina. They ended up going to the final four. Joe Forte was, to me, their best player. Kind of another guy who never necessarily had the NBA um, career that would have paralleled what he was at Carolina. But, man, he could, he could hoop. So I was a big Joe Forte guy. And then uh, three, I go Gilbert Arenas. There was just something about him, something about Gilbert. Because he played with Richard Jefferson, right? So you had these two ultra-athletic guys. It was still sort of peak Lute Olsen, sort of mm -hmm. right after, you know, several years after they made those runs to the Final Four, won the national championship, uh, that next wave of guys after Jason Terry and Miles Simon. Uh, but Arenas, he, he, had that, he had that swag right away, right? And he was still young and, and kind of a little more svelte. Uh, and a, but a dude who did have a, a bit of an NBA career. So I go, I go Gilbert uh, at three. Lots of Arizona love, by guys. the way. Lots of Arizona Lots love. Lots of Arizona love. Yeah, again, I ended, up, I ended up just sort of gravitating to Zona and Duke, of course. You know, and, and like you mentioned, we both sort of missed out on the mid-2000s where Adam Morrison came down, um, where guys like Shannon Brown came down with Michigan State, Kemba. Uh, in 2010 with UConn. So I kind of missed out on some of those guys uh, who would definitely make the list. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think when you talk about Adam Morrison and Kemba. Um, but uh, my top two are Duke guys, Homer, whatever, fair enough. Uh, Zion Williamson is number two. He was a spectacle. Like I am so lucky. I consider myself really lucky to have seen him in person. Because he's one of those guys, kind of like Russell Wilson on a football field, for different reasons. I don't think you really appreciate what he is until you see him in person. Just seeing him walk around, just seeing how big he is, and also how not tall he is. He's not that tall. No. He was, I, you know, I was like, man, I thought he was going to be a lot bigger. He's maybe 6'6", like maybe, in my opinion. But just built like a, you know, and, um, and just seeing him leap, seeing him walk was kind of like, man, this – this guy, okay. And then you see him, how quick his second jump is on missed shots. Uh, just, just incredible. Just incredible to see a human being that size do what he was doing. Um, and living up to the hype, like everything, all the, all the YouTube highlights and Instagram highlights you saw, and you're like, oh, <laughs> okay. He's not doing it against some, some little, you know, prep school in, in South Carolina anymore. Like he's doing it against other <laughs> Division one athletes. It was ridiculous. And then my number one guy is Jason Williams, now Jay Williams. Yeah. He before that motorcycle accident and, and like he went to my Bulls. I'm a Bulls fan as well. And it always sort of breaks my heart thinking about what could have been. Uh but Jason Williams, as he was known then, 
was – I mean, he's as good as a college basketball player as you'd find, right? And, and we got to see him on Maui. So, so Jay is still my guy, even though the NBA career was sort of cut short by unfor- unfortunate circumstances. Uh, Jay Williams on that court with that Duke team. And it was the year after the national championship, if I'm not mistaken, because it was 2001. Mm. And that was actually kind of a funny story. This actually should make my honorable mention list for um, moments. But it, they were number one in the country. UCLA was three. Kansas was number four. And so we thought we'd get some combination of barn burners, blockbusters. Ball State came in, beat Kansas in the quarterfinals, <laughs> beat number three UCLA in the semis, and then Duke kind of smashed them in the, in the championship game. So it was a cool story, but I only went to the championship game as a kid. And so I missed out on UCLA. I missed out yeah. on Kansas. The three of them never played each other over the three days. We somehow went three days without one, three, and four actually meeting on the court in Lahaina. So it was, also, it was one of those what-ifs, one of the great what-ifs. But yeah, Jay Williams, my guy. You never know in these tournament formats, man. That's, that's part of the, the chaos, the allure. And that's a very solid top, top five pick of picks. And I'm excited to say my five, we only have one overlap. So oh, Okay, this is good. Yes. I couldn't have worked out better. Uh, honorable mention-wise, I also would have Obi Toppin on there. I almost snuck him in here, but I was also a little wary of the recency bias that you were talking about. And uh, Stanley Johnson, that was another great pick. I had kind of on my fringe a little bit. Uh, number five, I'm going to go Jeremy Grant for Syracuse. Mm. Uh, little, like, you know, maybe talent-wise, not is up here with the other guys, but I factored in what he's doing right now with uh, the Denver Nuggets. He is active. He's still going in the playoffs. Yeah. And uh, But the moment for, for me that put him in here was – he had this vicious putback dunk against Cal in the 2013 semis for Syracuse. And it was just, to that point, the best singular play I had seen on Maui. And it's still probably top three, I would think, uh, for me. So um, I, got, I got a chance to talk to him after the game on his way to the bus. You know, he, he was cool. Um, Horace Grant's uh, nephew, you know, so it's mm-hmm. – uh, I got to give Jeremy Grant some love. Uh, number four, recency bias, I'll fully admit here, but Anthony Edwards last year for Georgia was just unreal, man. In that second second game for Georgia, they lost to Michigan State, but he put up this 33-point second half that just had everyone a buzz. Like, he was all over the headlines, and uh, they ended up losing that game. I can't remember what the margin was, but – finished with like 37 points and just was hitting all manner of just contested fallaway jumpers and hand in his face, 25 footers. And he's still, it's amazing to think that we haven't got to the draft yet. Like we're still talking about like, where's he going to go? Right. This, this weird COVID year, but Anthony Edwards was a true stud and I'm excited to see where, where he goes and you know, what he accomplishes in the NBA. And Oh, I should, I should add that he had the game winner in the, seventh place consolation game against Chaminade. The, the, the Bulldogs were in danger to losing, of losing to the Silver Swords, and he saved them from that. So, um, all right, number three, I got Rui Hachimura for Gonzaga in 2018. He was just so smooth, so humble. We were all making, like, the, the Kawhi Leonard comparisons. I remember we, we went out to grab some post-game food after that over there in uh, Wailuku, right? And um, That's right. We were just talking about after that title game against Duke, and we were just talking about Rui as much as any other guy, as much as Zion, as much as, you know, Barrett. Like, and we all kind of wondered, like, wow, like, what is this guy's ceiling? And he showed it's 
significantly high, a lot higher than I think any of us thought coming into that tournament. So uh, Rui, I mean, he came up with the clutch plays he needed to. Just props to him, man. Number two, Zion, for all the reasons that you laid out. Just <laughs> the way he walks, I still can't get over that. He's got the most signature, like unmistakable walk, kind of like pigeon-toed almost. But mm-hmm. you would never, and you would never guess just based on his his dimensions and his his weight, for lack of a better term, like that he's able to do the things that he can do on a basketball court. And as you said, it's something you have to see in person. And I'm lucky to say that I was there right along with you to see the feats of Zion. And number one for me, my first Maui 2010, Kemba Walker, UConn, has to be for me because that was his coming out party. And he just put on a show all three days. I believe he he basically scored 30 points a day. He finished with 90 for the tournament, which is like right off the tournament total scoring record and uh, threw his team on his back. And that was like a precursor for what UConn would do with Kemba Walker later that year, right? That crazy run through the Big East tournament. They mm-hmm. were picked 10th in the Big East in the preseason poll. Like no one thought UConn was really going to do anything. And Kemba Walker, he'd come off a stint with the the uh, junior uh, Olympic team, I think, that, that off season, He was feeling confident. And that Maui tournament was his first chance to really show everyone how far his game had come. So – uh, it was special to be there for that. And uh, I got a chance to talk to him after maybe the second day, just like how his confidence was sky high. And that's something I'll never forget. So, um, yeah, it, it, that's my top five. And uh, we'll see the next time that you or I are there, if we can we can add something else to the list. I can't wait till it comes back. And I don't care where you work in BMAC. You are uh, obligated to be there. And uh, you always got a place to stay. Uh, we've got a host of, <laughs> of hosts that are, are willing to, to give you a place to, to shack up. But, yeah, you're, you're obligated to be there 2021. So clear your calendar. I will. And shouts to Dean Cramp for being a hospitable host for me, uh, at least on a couple of these Maui, Maui occasions for, for a night here or there. But, um, hey, Jordan, thanks, thanks so much, man, for uh, coming on the Court Sense pod. I had a blast kind of going back through the last decade. And in your case, back to your childhood. Um, sifting through these moments of, you know, of which there are so many that we, we could have pulled from and, and kind of distilling it to, to these that we just talked about what was, was pretty, pretty fun and special, man. Yeah. I wish we could, uh, I wish we could reconvene this November, but this was a, a nice, nice way to, to cope with the news was to take a trip down memory lane with UB Mac. Yeah, man. Uh, likewise. And Shoot. Uh, thanks for the kind words about the pod. I'll keep, I'll keep trying to learn and, and, you know, progress as this thing goes. And uh, everyone should remember to check out the, the let's talk sports podcast that, that Jordan and Kanoa put on once or twice a week. Thanks B Mac. I appreciate it, man.